1: Junior, catch he did. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rovers' Overtime and Rovers' Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, I will be joined on today's show by Sean Siegel, the co-host here off the Rovers' of OT podcast, and of course, the man behind the Zero RB articles up on Rovers.com. They are up there at the moment. Make sure you check them out if you haven't already. We did talk about some of the candidates for success in 2021 on Tuesday show. If you haven't listened to that show, head back over and check it out after you listen to this one. But if you haven't checked out the articles up on site, head on over, check them out today. Make sure you have them for your drafts or as you head into the season, get you set up for success. And uh, of course, we are gonna be having a fun one today. So, Sean, today we are going to dive into some bold predictions. We did this last year for our 100 episode. I mentioned on the show on Tuesday that we're rapidly closing in on 300, uh, which is is crazy. We've been hitting those three shows a week over the off season. We've some weeks we've had uh, four shows, some weeks we have had five shows. So it is. Rapidly approaching as we get towards 300, but this is going to be a bull prediction show today. We may have one of these next week as well, but we have some guests that are going to jump on, give us some thoughts as well. We have one of our all-time favorites uh, and Peter Overzet. Uh, we have Sal uh, Al, who, uh, you were on with a few weeks ago, um, talking over on four for four with some of their stuff. And then we have Pat Fitzmaurice of the fits and fantasy podcast, which I also produced who you were on with a couple of weeks ago over there as well. So looking forward to hearing what their bull predictions are. Hopefully they will be ones that, uh, well, maybe not hopefully, maybe hopefully there's some disagreement. I like when we uh, have, have some disagreements, but let's see what, what we'll have. We also will have some listeners, uh, One's coming up later in the show will agree or disagree with those. So uh, they were submitted uh, through Twitter as well. So, Sean, bold predictions. Uh, We're going to have to do an episode next week, I guess, where where we give our bold predictions as well for the season.
2: We will. It's always tricky. Like you said, it's great when we have some disagreements. When we're lucky enough to have these awesome clips from our favorite people out in the community, uh, it's – a little unfair to to have their clip and then to be able to debate it and have They're them not here to defend to be themselves. able to come back and and tell us why we're wrong. But hopefully, uh, if we have that situation, they will do that on Twitter. We know that Sal's main well, not main. Sal's got many other things that are much more important to him. But he is also waging this sort of uh, mini stealth war to get me back onto Twitter. So perhaps uh, if he has a good chance to debate. His bold prediction with you through that it'll be a lot of fun. That's a little foreshadowing in terms of where we may be with Sal's. But, uh, Colin, get us off to a a fast start here. You mentioned Peter Overzet, uh, the man taking over the internet. Like you said, one of our favorites, and he's got a great bold prediction for us again today.
1: Yeah, not even the fantasy football internet, just the internet in general. Pete is taking it over. Make sure if you're, I'm sure our listeners are well aware of Peter Overzet, but if you aren't already following him. Check him out at Peter Overzet and, of course, the Ship Chasing Podcast along with Pat Corrine. But let's dive in and let's see what his bull prediction is. He had a great one last year at wide receivers. Let's see if this one is wide receiver based.
3: Hey, guys. I have a hot take for you. And that is Rondell Moore absolutely obliterates his ADP this year and finishes the season as a top 30 wide receiver. Now, here's my thought process right now. Rondell Moore in FFPC Main Events is currently going on average at pick 115 as the 54th wide receiver off the board. Debo Samuel, who I think is very similar as far as what production he's going to offer this year, is going at pick 78.5 as the wide receiver 37 off the board. I don't think there should be any difference between these two in ADP. They're going to be low ADOT, high yards after the catch kind of guys in explosive offenses that run a ton of plays. I love Rondell Moore. He's one of the few guys that I don't mind continuing to draft even as his ADP creeps up all in on Rondell Moore. Let me know your guys' thoughts.
1: So Sean, we mentioned possible disagreements. Uh, I don't know if we'll have a disagreement on this one. We both have talked uh, about Rondell Moore this offseason, uh, I think it's a pretty much a dream fit in that offense, and I think you touched on it um on the show on Tuesday when we were talking about James Connor. Some of the work around the goal line might go to him, and I could see there been situations where there's those kind of Tyreek Hill. I know they're called fought, like they're classed as passing touchdowns, but where it's just kind of tapped off uh, to Hill and and those sort of situations. We've seen a few of those with Devontae Adams as well for the Packers and. I think that we're we're going to see him fit in that role as well. We're going to have some short passes. He mentioned the yards after the catch. I think at the moment, his value is still quite uh, fantastic, but it isn't anywhere near where it was two months ago. It is, And we we have had some discussions in our drafts about trying to get him, and, and it is creeping up quite continuously. But basically, we're looking at a situation where he's going around the wide receiver 60, as, as Peter mentioned there, and we're looking to get him to double that in terms of the uh, efficiency and his return at, at a top 30 wide receiver obviously deandre hopkins is there we've talked about uh, james Conner as well and how things can go but we obviously are big kyler murray fans um, from a fantasy perspective so can can Rondell get all the way to a top 30 wide receiver in his rookie season
2: i think he can and i, I mean in some ways i almost think that's the floor now that seems pretty-
1: <laughs> no that's a bold prediction <laughs>
2: Blair Andrews and I had more at number six post-draft in the RotoViz rookie guide. And for a little while that looked, well, we'll just say optimistic or enthusiastic, right? But I mean, he's, he's going to be awfully good. Maybe he isn't the vertical threat that someone with his, pure speed you might like to see from but i think we may even have a few of those plays worked in but uh pete's right on it in mentioning bebo samuel and how he's more expensive now we like samuel because he's a great way to play that offense a lot less expensive than kittle a lot less expensive than brandon Ayuk. maybe the best fit for the offense if trey lance is going to be the quarterback this season not necessarily the best fit for the offense but the best fit for what happens this year with lance you know samuel one of these guys who as a rookie scored just below 200 points. And if he hadn't been injured last season, we'd be looking at him in a completely different area. Now there's a possibility that he's injury prone. And so, you know, maybe that is knocking him down a little bit. You do see something where Ayuk emerges and now that's the question of how do you play it? But while I think he's a great value, I, I think that Pete's got a fantastic point here in that we look at these two offenses and the offense with Kyler Murray is a little bit further along, probably. Now, the 49ers offense may be better structurally, maybe better coached, and maybe that they can catch up very, very quickly. But you look at where the Cardinals are with Murray, and then you look at the competition for targets. And I think this comes down to then how you see these two teams, right? And a little bit how you see Rondell Moore. But with the 49ers, you have those other two guys who are definitely going to be tricky from a target volume perspective. When you're looking at the Cardinals, you're looking at someone in A.J. Green who was just, I mean, unfathomably bad last year and we haven't necessarily gotten the sense that you know that was something with the Bengals right I mean he's probably done and then you have Christian Kirk who I don't think it's impossible that he still breaks out right and he was too good of a prospect he was too good sort of early on in his career with the Cardinals to just disappear at the same time the Cardinals don't seem to like him at all you know when kingsbury talks about what they're going to do i mean he's you know goes out of his way to mention people who aren't relevant and you know maybe that's a motivational tactic or maybe christian kirk really is completely off the radar but if we're talking about like major targets it's going to be deandre hopkins and then it's going to be more i mean they don't have the tight end really working in and so and Moore's target ceiling is probably above samuels so again from that perspective when you're looking at similar types of players and potentially similar offenses, I and mean, there are definitely some structural elements that are the same. Uh, you can very easily make a case for more being this guy who just crushes ADP and is almost a discount play on other guys who are already discount plays. <laughs> you know, So you want to stack as many of those types of players into your roster as you can, and I certainly wouldn't let it worry you that he's a rookie. I mean, he can be a rookie and still a discount play, still a very big value
0: hey rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code rv radio 2021 that's rv radio 2021 and you're going to save 10 percent taking advantage of this deal getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year
1: So, Sean, we started off with Rondell Moore with Peter Overzet. We are going to have Sal come on now. If you aren't following Sal on Twitter, it is at salpal2, the number two. Um, so check him out over there. Always a good interaction. A lot of my interaction, as Sean mentioned earlier, is around trying to get Sean back to Twitter so let's see what the bold prediction is and uh, maybe who knows maybe that's even factored in here so let's let it go.
5: Hello my RotoViz friends it's your pal Sal here and I have one bold prediction for the 2021 fantasy season to share with you and your listeners that I don't think is all that bold really. I think Antonio Gibson is going to finish the season as the highest scoring non-quarterback in all of fantasy football. The downgraded quarterback for Washington will place more of an emphasis on the running game for the football team, providing Gibson an opportunity to skyrocket to fantasy glory. On only a 44% snapshot and the, just the 27th most touches per game at running back, Gibson was last season's half PPR RB12. Imagine what he could do with a bigger workload and more targets that go his way rather than J.D. McKissick's way. And I also have a second bold prediction for you. I believe that Sean Siegel, AKA FF underscore contrarian on Twitter will tweet at least one time by the end of 2021.
1: So Sean, a lot of two pack there. Um, Sean hadn't heard that. I had heard um, what the prediction was going to be. So uh, it, it was well forecasted at the the start of the show, but Sean, three things there that I'm going to get you to unpack. The first one is a downgrade downgraded quarterback with uh ryan fitzpatrick how do you feel about that
2: it seems like sal's just messing with us here right I mean, <laughs> ryan is a massive upgrade and washington is going to score a ton of points through the air but that could also be favorable for gibson
1: yeah no i uh i enjoyed the the fitzpatrick uh love coming in there and then obviously we have uh gibson being the highest scoring non-quarterback um It's obviously a a huge, he said it wasn't that much of a bold prediction. I think he was uh, joking there as well. Quite a bold one. I think we could see him in that top five running back range. Um, How do you feel about pushing him all the way to basically the highest uh, fantasy score of
2: 2021? I've actually had to move Gibson down a little bit in my rankings to where he would no longer really be a target because McKissick still looks like he's going to to play a role and because Jarrett Patterson has been phenomenal, right? And they're going to have to get him on the field uh, at times you know, the training camp buzz, the preseason games, that can be a little bit overrated. It's possible that once the real games start that we go out and it's Gibson all the time. But uh, I mean, this is a team with a very good defense. They're going to be able to control the clock. They're going to be able to dominate through the air I don't think it's going to make sense for them to run gibson into the ground in the third and fourth quarters it doesn't look like they're going to need him for a ton of passing involvement i would be concerned now that we're actually looking at sort of a poor man's nick Chubb, to where almost everything is stacked against him from a fantasy perspective now i mean could he still be a very good part of a successful team I think that he could, but I think that the upside that maybe we were hoping for, it doesn't exactly look like he's there. He's a little bit of a risky pick. Now, the flip side of that is that so many of the guys that we liked are either completely out now. You know, Dobbins is out. Akers is out. ETN is out. Swift, you know, very cloudy in terms of, of what the situation is there, even a little bit of a ding for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, although it more or less sounds like he's going to be fine. With all of those options taken out, I think you have to look at Gibson a little bit more closely if you want that anchor running back and don't want to spend a first round price on it. At the same time, we have to look at new information from other teams as well. And this isn't even exactly new information, but it's information that's playing out as expected, which, I mean, that in itself is is very meaningful because the thing with Gibson didn't. Right. And so the fact that Najee Harris has looked good in Steeler's camp looks like he's going to get a ton of receptions. I mean, my biggest concern with Harris is that and there just is so much Trent Richardson to him where he makes all these moves and doesn't run forward. And especially if you have bad offensive line play, I mean, that could be disastrous for you. Right. Probably not as good a pure runner as Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs guys he played in the committee with at Alabama. You know, he's an old rookie. We know that those guys. Are a little bit overrated in terms of their talent as they come into the NFL. At the same time I mean, we're to the point where I mean, he could average three yards per carry and easily pay off at his ADP there and he allows you to get that first round pick of Hill or Adams or Diggs and come back with this guy who's got a massive workload. So I've had to move Harris above Gibson and if there's a guy that I've been targeting kind of in that wrap area where you've got this difficult decision between I mean you're probably going to take Calvin Ridley ahead of him but I think that's a interesting decision justin jefferson versus harris when you're in the early second that for me is the decision now as opposed to justin jefferson versus antonio gibson
1: and the last part sean is uh the the readable prediction is a, a tweet in 2021 um i i think it's a very it's a sub one percent chance in my opinion
2: <laughs> well, we can't rule that out right i mean
1: well there is a chance. There's a chance that I could like maybe I'll take a step away from put Twitter and you step into the reins, no?
2: That that <laughs> would be a real <laughs> step through. No, I mean I've tweeted that link in the past. I hear it would be my bold prediction or just kind of commitment to the listeners that if I were to come back, I would be better at it than I was previously. But probably won't come back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so we'll, we'll see what happens over the the next um you know and, and that there actually so there's really a, t- a ticking time frame on that so we're recording this just um we'll be heading into september so very short time frame there sal i think you should have given yourself a, a longer space of time to see if we could we could make that happen but the last one coming up is from pat FitzMorris. i mentioned earlier the fits on fantasy podcast you can follow him at Fitz underscore ff um his one here i think sean is going to be going to be interesting for us so uh let's let's play pats
6: hi calm and sean i've been scratching my head over seeing darren waller being drafted half round to a full round ahead of george kittle waller averaged 17.4 ppr points per game last year while kittle averaged 15.6 in the eight games he played but in the two years that waller has been a thing he's averaged 15.6 ppr points while kittle is a three-year average of 16.0 ppr points Waller's 145 targets last season tied him for the fifth-highest single-season target total of any tight end over the last decade, so he pretty much maxed out his target ceiling. But over two years, he's averaged 8.2 targets a game, just barely topping Kittle's three-year average of 8.1 targets per game. And here's the thing. Waller's averaged 8.9 yards per target over the last two years. Certainly good, but Kittle's averaged an even 10 yards per target, which is just freaky. I mean, he and Derrick Henry... Are the two toughest dudes to tackle in the league. So why the ADP divergence? Well, Kittle's missed time due to injury the last two seasons, while Waller's had a perfect attendance record. But I suspect Rotoviz listeners aren't buying an injury-prone narrative. People also like the Niners' receivers more than the Raiders. Hey, I like Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel too, but the Niners don't have a viable third. And who's to say that Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards aren't going to make significant jumps for the Raiders? We also have the capable John Brown on the roster. And do we really think Derek Carr is going to be a better distributor of targets for Waller than Trey Lance is going to be for Kittle? I mean, Kittle has been a stud for the last three years with Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, and CJ Beathard throwing him the ball. Now, it's only a matter of time before he's catching passes from one of the better QB prospects in recent vintage. My bold prediction, guys, is that George Kittle outscores Darren Waller by at least 20 PPR points from this year.
1: So, Sean, we have been well-known to be big Darren Waller advocates this season. We have talked a lot in our drafts about Kittle and the situation there. Um, we've talked a lot, obviously, about Ayuk. You mentioned Debo Samuel early in the show. Pat has put forward a very, very good argument there as to why it could potentially be the opposite way around. Um, what What's your thoughts on that prediction?
2: I, I think Waller's going to outscore him, right? You have just this huge difference in terms of the competition and I think that we are giving Derek Carr not enough credit for how he's emerging when you look at what he did with Nelson Aguilar last season and, and you watch that connection I mean the two of those guys are in sync it's, it's a big play hookup and I mean Darren Waller is a superstar Right? When you watch him going against linebackers, going against safeties, going against defensive backs, no one can match up with him remotely. Whatever type of player you put on him, he either has this massive height advantage, weight advantage, reach advantage, or speed advantage if you go with a bigger guy. You, you can't cover, and he's very good at going up and making plays on the ball. He's got absolutely everything, and so within the context of that offense, he's going to score a ton of points. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a huge part of what you want from a fantasy tight end, which is to essentially give you almost the equivalent of an extra starting position. The question comes in, uh, could Kittle be close? And I think that Kittle is another player where it's just, there's no question about the talent. If you're talking about two stars here, you know, getting some exposure to them is kind of what you want to do. And then the question is, you know, do you prefer Waller and Jefferson or do you prefer Tyreek Hill and Kittle and one of the only advantages that players drafting sort of in that seven through 12 range have this year because you've got this Christian McCaffrey owners the Camara owners the Cook owners you know the Kelsey owners and and Kelsey still even though I don't think he's a shoe in by any stretch to outscore Waller and, and Kittle I mean, he, he does have the advantage right and so you're looking at those guys and they're going to come back in rounds two and three and score a ton of points with their receivers because the receivers get pushed down. They get these stars. They have these elite builds, even in round five, got this big advantage. The thing that they don't have and outside of obviously the Kelsey owner, but those teams that start with CMC cook and Kamara are not going to get one of the star tight ends. And so when you are drafting out of the back half, you're kind of looking at how do I want to create exposure and construct my teams because I think you've got three good options you've got Waller you've got Kittle and you've got TJ Hawkinson wrapping around either in the third or coming back to you in the fourth and so in tight end premium you know those three guys are there with Kelsey in terms of potentially gapping the rest of the field in tight end targets by you know the size of the Grand Canyon and so you've got three guys there that you can structure your team with out of the back. You probably want to do it in some different ways in case one of the players gets hurt, you know, in case Kittle really does get taken down by the 49ers offense. I think that Trey Lance is going to be good. He's going to be good in a way that, I mean, I, I would be concerned there's a Mark Andrews element to this, right? And if you want the Mark Andrews style tied in, just take Mark Andrews at, at a much lower I mean, he's very good as well. We know that connection between Andrews and Lamar Jackson is going to be extremely efficient. And so, you know, from that style of offense, just take the guy who is less expensive and we've got that hookup already established. So that would be kind of my thought there. But, you know, t- take Devonte Adams, take Stefan Diggs, get George Kittle coming back around and you're set up very nicely to compete with these teams who get that cmc cook camara start
1: yeah and i think as well like we love waller but um i know we've talked in the past about pat corain talking about george kittle and we like i i love kittle i think kittle might be the best pure tight end in the nfl we all we always have the line of uh job being the best pure runner in the nfl i think from a blocking perspective and a a russian or a you know tight end receiving perspective i think that Kittle might be the best NFL tight end, but I do think that Waller this season is in a, a really prime spot. I think Kittle will still be you know, in those top three tight ends, but I, I think Waller will, will just outscore him um, come the end of the season. But that's where we're trying to get that debate, that discussion, and uh, good thoughts there from Pat. Uh, we're going to run into some listener suggestions now. We're going to keep these to pretty rapid fire, I think. But first one coming in from at RP1714 on Twitter he says hi column I don't know if this is a bold prediction but his prediction is Elijah Moore finishes with the most receiving yards of any of the rookie wide receiver so we have had the conversation earlier about Rondell Moore and what we expect him to do Um, you know there's a lot of the wide receivers in this class we like we have drafted Elijah Moore in a couple of leagues run together we've drafted him in leagues we're not in so we have high hopes for Elijah Moore this season but I've also talked about the Jets Wide receiver room and how it could become a little bit uh, cluttered. They have the rookie quarterback there as well. So, Sean, can we get a situation where Moore is the highest, I was going to say scoring, highest receiving yardage total of any of the the rookie wide receivers?
2: I think it's going to be close, right? Chase is going to come on. Uh, Waddle is getting. Just-
1: once, Chase, once Chase starts to catch the ball, he'll be getting those yards. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, it's going to be tough to compete with him. Devontae Smith. Uh, even kind of there in Philadelphia, going to gain a ton of yards. We mentioned more bottle is going to be in play there in Miami. But yeah, I, I like this one. I think this has got a very good chance. And I will definitely go with the idea that Elijah Moore is going to gain more yards than Corey Davis.
1: The next one in is from one of our, our regulars, one of the, the longtime listeners. It is from the great Farlano. It's on Twitter, at PMFarley21. He's saying, and I'm not going to call this. Out, not, not just not. just one account, but I a lot of these in on Twitter. I had a tweet. There wasn't much reaction to the tweet, but I got multiple different messages to say that they didn't want to, uh, in case their league mates seen their thoughts, and they're trying to do some trades and things like that at the moment. So. Uh, a number of different ones come in like that there was suggestions of uh creating burner accounts as well just to ask questions so league mates don't see so um a lot of fun times had there but ball prediction on this one was t higgins as a top 10 wide receiver justin herbert as a top three quarterback and then you mentioned uh, the Devonte smith situation a moment ago he has jalen rager to outscore Devonte smith on the season so we have three predictions coming in there and um, what's your thoughts on on those three i know We would, we would love to see Higgins get uh, all the way up into the the top 10.
2: I love all of these, right? The one that I think is almost a lock is T Higgins. I mean, he's, uh, unless everything that has come out of Bengals camp is wrong. And unless what he did last year as a rookie from which they say he has skyrocketed in terms of how well he's playing, unless that was somehow a complete mirage. I mean, T Higgins is going to be a top 10 wide receiver. You can just take that to the bank. Now, Justin Herbert with the top three QB, that's tricky because there's so much competition now. Our range of outcomes tool loves him. The comps that we've worked on in our sophomore series coming out of the road of his screener loves him. You've got these Andrew Luck comps for him. So you could definitely see it. The question that I have at this point is, you know, where are all these passes going to go? It's, it's starting to look like Josh Palmer, who came in with this kind of bizarre profile where he would really be one of the first completely unproductive college players to break out to stardom and a lot of sort of scouts and fantasy analysts who are much more kind of in that vein think that that's going to happen now we have that kind of player every year it never happens it's starting to look like it's going to happen because mike williams has been a complete no-show again it, it's not that likely that keenan allen catches every pass all season long They've got kind of this mix at tight end where, I mean, maybe those guys will be good reality players. So it'd be tricky to play at fantasy. You do have some depth receiving targets, but I guess I don't think that he has the weapons to be top three within the context of how good some of the other QBs have it right now. So that would be my concern there. Jalen Rager. I mean, he's been the, the Odell Beckham of Eagles camp and it kind of depends on, on what you read there. Right. Because he evidently makes an impossible one-handed twirling leaping and you know Rager can really jump so you know we're talking about a guy getting up to make these catches and then you know disappears and you know is playing at times not only behind Smith but behind Chris Watkins who we've talked about quite a bit his super sleeper profile so you know, if you're looking for an easy answer there, I don't think it comes from either what he did last season where he came in with the good profile, but then, you know, it's playing through those injuries. I and mean, people are like, oh, they passed on Justin Jefferson. Well, if Justin Jefferson had been torn up the way Rager was, you know, maybe he plays better than he did, but it's a completely unfair comparison. So I think the main point here, and this is what you and I did in our first main event, our, our OT main event column, we selected Jalen Rager and we definitely like him.
1: Yeah, no, I think, and uh, I've been drafting him quite a bit. I've shares as well off uh, Devontae Smith. I think the Eagles are going to take a, a big jump forward here this season. Uh, next question came in from Dave, and he mentioned about creating the uh, burner account uh, to, so people couldn't see what he was asking on Twitter, but. He flipped the script on us, Sean, and he went for a bold prediction question towards ourselves. So he says, which wide receiver from outside rounds or from rounds two through eight could be the wide receiver one? So obviously we'd want to take the easy option and pick somebody in round two or round three. So we're going to bounce it a little bit further down. But I think there's going to be a little bit of tie in here, Sean, with um, our our previous prediction and uh, Mr. T Higgins.
2: Yes, you're exactly right. I mean, in round two, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, those guys could definitely go off and be that overall wide receiver one. If we move down the board a little bit, I mean, people are going to say, okay, T. Higgins, we understand that you love him, right? And every (laughs) free rookie season, he's looked phenomenal in camp. Uh, you, You guys think that Joe Burrow is going to be okay, if not the first game that you know, week six, week seven, all of a sudden this avalanche of points comes in. But, you know, Chase is there. Boyd is there. How can he be overall wide receiver one? Well, unfortunately, what we've already seen in the NFL the season is the guys can get hurt. That could happen. But I just think that, you know, we're looking at the potential for Chase and Boyd to be good, but to be more in that wide receiver three, wide receiver four range, whereas Higgins just vaults to absolute stardom and the Bengals have one of the most productive passing offenses ever. So that's how he could get there, right? That would be the bold prediction. DJ Moore is just an easy one. Right, you, you again have that com- you again have that situation where yeah, maybe there's some competition from Robbie Anderson. Maybe there's some competition from Marshall, who has been uh, the toast of training camp there in Carolina, and who has been the toast of training camp there in Carolina, and one of the most impressive not just rookies but players across all training camps. At the same time, you know, Ben Gretch. DJ Moore is one of his favorites. We had him in a bunch of leagues last year. This guy who's good before before the catch, he's good after the catch. And what he really needed is this Stefan Diggs kind of slight change to his target profile. So that he's getting all of the different targets. Last year they used him a little bit too much as a deep threat. Preseason has already suggested they may have made the change. They may have fixed that, that Marshall actually opens things up. They don't have to use the underneath to kind of manufacture touches for Curtis Samuel. And so suddenly Moore could have the kind of route profile that allows him to jump to the top five, and then it's a matter of okay, well he has not been a good touchdown scorer throughout the early part of his career, but if Sam Darnold is okay and they've got you know very good structure coaching, it's an exciting offense there in Carolina. If some of the touchdowns manage to go from Christian McCaffrey to DJ Moore, and you know defenses are going to be doing whatever they can to take away CMC, you know good luck with that, but they're going to try. D.J. Moore could be a touchdown guy, and suddenly if he's a touchdown guy, you're talking about upside to make him not only an easy pick at his ADP, but someone who could be the overall wide receiver one.
1: Yeah, he re- he really can kind of have a big jump there, and um, I think Higgins is is the right selection as well. We've seen, I joked, uh, Chase with the drops issues, but we, I think we're still going to see a productive season from him. Um, but I think that Higgins is primed to be the the wide receiver one in that offense for 2021 here as we move forward dj moore it's interesting that you mentioned as well i hadn't really thought that much overall about it but with cmc back in the lineup defenses are going to really have to start to put extra focus there there's a lot more focus needs to be put on than if mike davis is in the lineup and i know christian mccaffrey did play last year but whether he was over 100 or not uh, remains to be seen and uh, i think that'll help more there as well and I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how, how darnell does in that offense so Two exciting players there that we've been drafting a lot. You've been hearing us talk a lot about, but uh, they could potentially end the season as wide receiver one. We have a great support over the entire offseason. Again, once again, thank you for all of that. The numbers of the audience are growing every single week, every single show. I know people don't want to, and I joked about it earlier, they don't want their friends to see on Twitter what they're asking us or what they're suggesting or what information they're getting. But give it a retweet. Share it on social media. Tell your friends even if if your friends aren't in your league, maybe they're still your friends and they play in other leagues, tell them about it so they can use it in their other leagues. We wanna keep growing what we have here at Rotoviz, at Rotoviz Radio and at Rotoviz Overtime. Of course, we have great podcasts like Stealing Bananas with the flagship show. So many great shows up on the network. We wanna keep growing that audience. So help us spread that word. We do appreciate it greatly. As a loyal listener, we do give you that opportunity to get a 10% discount to a Rotoviz subscription. If you wanna do that, this is the perfect time to sign up, get yourself set up for the 2021 season. all you have to do is add the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for more information that'll get you access to all of the content and tools and of course get you ready for the entire nfl season no matter what format you're playing in that is going to take us to the end of today's show of Rotoviz overtime as always my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland you can send any questions there or you can send them to rotovizradio at gmail.com my co-host as always is sean siegel if you are waiting for him to return to twitter you can follow at ff underscore contrarian and until then you can check out all his work up on com. until we're back with another podcast have a good one